Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Joe, we are live. What's up, everybody? What an evening of crazy mixed martial arts, I think. I don't know what just went down here. It's 1.06 a.m. watching two events, UFC 220, Bellator 192, co-host Sean Ross Sapp kicking the show off here. I don't know. I, I was flipping back and forth between, uh, obviously, Paramount Network and the UFC pay-per-view, going back and forth. I watched so much MMA that I felt like I didn't watch any MMA because I'm trying <laughs> to remember what fights actually went down tonight. Sean, what's going through your mind right now? Well, today... A little note to Fightful fans who may be just tuning in right now. I was joined by the one, the only, really the only, Nikrit Nikrylov fan. Oh, wow. Look at we that. did a spur-of-the-moment podcast uh, this afternoon where we did alternate commentary on the WWF Royal Rumble 1995 match. Go check that out, Fightful.com, FightfulPods.com. I'm thinking that, wow, just a lot of, a lot of stuff happened. Hype trains got derailed. Some finally reached fruition we have a new bellator champion we have ram the return of slam page and then he got beat and then uh aaron pico uh you could tell he's been boxing with miguel Cotto, and then uh, then it's it was a fun night and rob font picked up a big win so we're gonna talk about the main fights we're gonna talk about the, the bellator main card and um, definitely the big fights uh, uh for this ufc 220 show but man uh ufc 220 did not bring a very good card that led up to these title fights. Like Dustin Ortiz and uh, his fight, you know, it's a top 15 fight. The Rob Font, Thomas Almeida fights a top 15 fight, but they got, it's the direct opposite of the things that I touted last fall, but let's get into it. Hot dog. 
Yeah, well, we knew what was going to happen with this UFC event, right? I mean, you had the, the the two big divisions, heavyweight and light heavyweight championships on the line. You knew that that you know there's big money being paid to those four fighters, uh, especially the champions. So the rest of the card um, we knew was going to be a little bit lower in terms of caliber. But some of the fights were pretty good. Um, I mean, the the El Hassan and, and Homasi fight, we needed to see that fight based on what happened the last time when Herb Dean kind of messed that up uh, and and you know halted it prematurely. So the rematch took place here, and Jesus. Jesus, did Al Hassan almost knock Homasi's face off? I mean, that was ridiculous. But um, it, it was a fight that needed to happen, and it happened. So that one lived up to it. Dustin Ortiz, man. I mean, we we were talking about him on Tuesday, thinking like, which one shows up here? We don't know what's going to happen. He did a damn good job, and and Danny Ige, whew, he took a bit of a beating in that opening fight. Um, obviously, my heart's with Ige. I called his fights, uh, or he called it his fight in Titan. He wins in Titan, goes to Dana White's Contender Series, and then eventually gets to the UFC. Uh, so my heart was with him. But um, you know, Julio Arce, whoo, that dude's should've tough. Been in the UFC a long time ago. Arce yeah. should have been, and I'm glad he finally got there, but. A huge win for him. He looked great. He was he was landing combinations, popping in and out. Uh, I said that that fight looked like when you pick the same character in Mortal Kombat and they do the palette swap. <laughs> that's exactly <laughs> that looked like they looked exactly like. Uh, that's a big win. That's a guy to keep your eye on, Julio Arce. Um, I think a lot of him and uh, James Lynch actually turned me on to him a while back and spoke about him in an interview recently with one of his teammates. Why isn't he in the UFC? And then he got the call. So that's that's definitely a name to look out for. Outside of that, on these prelims, you had Islam Makachev defeating T-Bow. And you know, there were a lot of question marks around T-Bow. And, you know, even more now, like, does his, uh, you know, T-Bow's never been top of the heap. Does, yeah, he, was, he was always in the middle there, not not in the mix, but just on the cusp of the mix. But right? for a decade in that in the UFC, for a decade there, and he beat some good names. He beat Dos Anjos. Uh, he beat Jamie Varner even, and Jamie Varner's an OG too. But he was kind of in that OG division. But does this, along with his last two losses, does that like put his entire run into question because of USADA? Or do you think maybe his time's just up? He's 34. I think oh, B, mainly B. Uh, I remember every time I would I would be at a, a live Gleason T-Bell fight, um, I would say the same thing and I would tweet the same thing. And I'd be like, man, whatever this guy's eating, whatever he's drinking, I want some because just this this guy's physique is, is something else. And I had people, you know, texting me pictures of needles all the time. Mm-hmm. I was like, all right, cool. And then eventually, you know, I said, you know, I, I'm one of those guys. You're you're. You're guilty until you're, you're innocent until you're proven guilty. You're probably guilty if you can beat the system consistently. Uh, but you know, eventually he got caught, and we we've seen what happens now. How many times have we seen? You know, back in it, it all started when Pride got purchased, and all those fighters came over to the UFC, and they all started losing like crazy. Uh, USADA comes in, all these fighters in the UFC they were winning so much, they get caught, they end up losing, or, or they you know whatever happens. So and plus his age, I mean, he's not getting any younger. So I think um, you know. And and it's it's a fight that I missed. It was only 57 seconds long. Uh, But when I tried to log in the UFC Fight Pass, I was having dinner at that time. So when I tried to sign in a UFC Fight Pass, it started the uh, Barzola fight um, and Bissette fight. And I was like, okay, can I not rewind this? Like, what's happening here? It wouldn't let me rewind. It wouldn't let me go back. It wouldn't let me click the fight. So it's the one fight I haven't seen. So, Well, elsewhere on the prelims, uh, Dustin Ortiz uh, won, and he needed to win this fight, I think, to stay 
relevant in this division. Now he's won three of four. Instead of looking at another inconsistent line, he's he's got that to, to rely on three out of four. And uh, that was that was a close fight, a little closer than than the than it would tell by the unanimous decision. As you mentioned, Al Hassan defeated Seba Hamasi, and that was a good one. That was whoo, that felt like justice for him. Like he was, as you mentioned, like he was fired up about it and I mean, the only he's got one loss to his to his credit. That's to Omar Yakmadov by split decision. But like, I sometimes I wonder when guys like this at age like thirty two start to emerge because I wonder how much of a finished product they are, especially in divisions like that. Elsewhere, Rob Font defeated Thomas Almeida, and boy, did he defeat Thomas Almeida! He unleashed a head kick that started a combo that just melted Thomas Almeida and maybe melted Thomas Almeida as a contender for at least the foreseeable future because Thomas Almeida after being 20 and 0 has lost three of his last four Joe I know it's it's um was it you that tweeted that out because I was yeah. like man this was such a contender this was a guy that many of us were looking at at 135 pounds and thinking this guy's gonna make a run he's got power he can you know, knock people out and, and then just it slowly but surely, you know, that, that that carpet started getting pulled from underneath him and over and over again. Now it's just one of those things where it's like, has he has his, you know, his brain taken too much where he just can't function as much as as, as he used to before. So, I mean, with the Glacian T-Bow thing, I talked about, about, you know, he's been fighting since 1999. Uh, even though Thomas Almeida just kind of popped on the scene in the UFC, like main eventing last year he had fought in the ufc since 2014 and fought in mma since 2011 so this is a 26 year old now who has fought in the u uh, fought in mma since he was 19 or 20 and fought very very often rob font despite you know despite the three losses out of his last four fights this is a big win for rob font he really underlined his place in the division with this victory <laughs> With this bold finish. Bold victory. Bold finish. Rob Font. Uh, for those of you that are uh, not catching on what Sean's saying right here. He's, but, won, uh, he's won three of his last four. He is 5-2 and two in the UFC now. Um, someone someone I'm looking at, too, I don't think he can really compete in the top fives and stuff, but it depends. If Brian Caraway's in that top five, then, yeah, he can. But you think Brian Caraway shows up to his next fight, by the way? Oh man, I, I when the news came out that he's fighting, I was like, I wonder what Sean's thinking about this because I don't know what to think. I mean, there's a lot of things you could probably say about Brian Caraway outside of fighting, uh, but I don't think his head is anywhere near where it needs to be. And like I've said before, just a great guy. I've, I've met him uh, numerous times. Uh, I've had drinks with the guy. Like, I mean, he's he's a he's a really good guy, but. You know, I don't know if it's the it's the whole. The hell's he doing fighting somebody yeah. that's out of the top fifteen? Yeah, yeah, it's two yeah. fights into his career, whatever or UFC career, whatever, man. Like, yeah. whatever. Uh, we can switch back and forth because I kind of want to tell this like as they unfolded chronologically. Yeah, sure. The, the UFC, I think that's kind of a fun thing to do because it was damn hard watching it. That's for sure. Oh, it sure was, and it was funny because. <laughs> as I told you off the air, it was very clear that Bellator had as much time as they needed, and they were trying to time this show out. The hilarious one was, like, they just kept running these Bellator heavyweight tournament people out here. Hey, let's get Fedor out here in a in a damn Letterman's jacket. Quick! <laughs> then they're like, wait, King Mo, get him out here. He's got a backpack on. Who cares? Who gives a shit? Get him out here. We got to kill some time. Trace Atkins. Get your ass out here and sing. 
do it! Bellator, Paramount. Also, I had audio issues nonstop throughout this broadcast. Um, I had to like kind of refresh my channel and stuff. I thought it was just me. My associate editor said that he ran into the same problems as well. But Bellator 192, it kind of started off. Henry Corrales defeated Georgie Karakanyan. That is a big win for Henry Corrales. But the one I really want to talk about, Aaron Pico against Shane Crutchton. This was a fight that, that even I speculated. Maybe this would end up like the Zach Freeman fight where they put him in there against a guy who's a little uh, too experienced. Shane Crutchton has had trouble against guys with with a lot of experience in one area. And he ran into that here. But it wasn't Pico's wrestling you could certainly tell that Aaron Pico had been training with Miguel Cotto because that body shot is one of the best punt body punches I have seen in uh, my MMA life. It was remarkable. Well, you take a look at the way it was set up and the way it was thrown and the, then the way it was landed. I mean, just the, the whole torque of the body when he was just came underneath it and he, all, he almost felt like he lifted him up. He lifted up Shane and Shane's body sort of collapsed. I mean, Big John described it very, very well um, in, during the replay, but the way just Crutchin's body just sort of collapsed and went down. Um, and then I think the, the third replay is when they actually played the sound and you just saw the body just pop, just turned it in there. And I was like, oh my God, oh, you poor soul. And that's it. People don't know if you ever get a body shot like that, especially, well, a body shot is one thing. You can get the wind knocked out of you. You can break a rib. But if it hits that liver, and usually when you get hit in the liver, um, it takes about 10 seconds or maybe about three or four seconds before the nerves kick in and you're just like, oh, what's what? You just shut down. But that was a beautiful shot by Aaron Pico, man. That was unbelievable. And, um, you know, he's two and one right now. Um, a lot of people would have just given up on MMA after the way that he was yep. introduced to it. But he has bounced back and fought like one, two fights in a like six month span. Yeah. So good so. for him, man. That's, that's a good way to bounce back. Also, Michael Chandler defeated Yamuchi. And really defeated him, with the exception of one like really awesome kick for Yamuchi. The question mark kick that was beautiful. That was amazing. It was Michael Chandler doing Michael Chandler things, and he just is the guy that either opens or closes the gate, or in some cases slams the gate in your face at lightweight in Bellator. And you got to do the 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 premise fight now, unless Chandler has fought out his contract as premise like surmised that he would like that was what premise told us at fightful.com he said that he thinks that chandler is trying to fight out his contract and move on to the ufc which is why uh because he says that he was offered the chandler fight and accepted it but chandler was like nope and the next thing you know uh, chandler's fighting yamuchi on this show but um yamuchi was a guy i'm still looking for to do a lot of really great things i look at this as almost like a a uh Gosh, who could I compare this to? Maybe I hate to draw the comparison just because they're both Japanese, but Horiguchi being beaten by Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson. Those yeah. losses are going to happen, and he's going to reel off several wins in that division. He'll probably beat a pit bull brother or two in a main event down the line. Like That's just the way it goes. But uh, Michael Chandler, man, yeah, you got to do him in premise, right? That's no ifs, ands, or buts, right? Like that, that would be the silliest thing ever if they don't put that fight on. That should have happened no matter what. But, um, and I think it was Scott Coker that basically came out and said that the winner uh, of Chandler Yamaguchi is getting a title shot. So, no ifs, ands, yeah. or buts. But, you know, we're, we're so all here. Like they, they got that worked out at the very least. Yeah. So, but you, know, you still don't know what's going to happen with Chandler. I think he does fight Primus, but yeah, we'll see what happens. What in the hell was one judge thinking giving Francis Marbarosa the, that fight? Because, First off, his game plan was, hey, let me circle into John Volante's power hand for 15 minutes. That sounds like a great way to get hit in the face 
hundreds of times. And John Volante won this without a doubt. I don't know what the hell that judge was looking at. Some of these judges, man. Like, I mean, let's be honest for a second. They, I, I, it's 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 silly. Even I mean, Joe Rogan, uh, who you know, I I rarely agree with uh, in terms of his commentary or just his, his color commentary. John and him during that interview was so awkward at the beginning because John was like, you know, what's what's going on here? Like, I thought I killed this guy, right? So yeah, you get judges that are just out to they're just out to, out to lunch, man. Calvin Qatar defeated Shane Burgos with a beautiful uppercut after. Uh, a little over two rounds. This is it seems like the year of the uppercut over the last several months. Well, not the year of the uppercut. But I mean, early on, it is, but a beautiful uppercut from Calvin Guitar. That's really all there is to mention there. We head back over to the Bellator show. Rory McDonald becomes Bellator welterweight championship. Now, we talked about the murderer's row that Douglas Lima had to face. I'm talking Paul Daly, Andre Koreshkov twice. Rory McDonald. Who else did he face? Like Lorenz Larkin. Larkin, yeah. Like he really faced, and he's a two-time Bellator welterweight champion. But we finally have Rory McDonald. Sort of, you know, he was. I don't want to say he was in a Francis Ngannou spot, but he had a lot of hype behind him for a lot of years. And he's at twenty-eight. And to me, that I don't want to say that's make or break time, but that's prime age these days. Twenty-six to twenty-nine, winning a championship. It seems. What did you think of his performance? I, you know what? I, I kind of was kind of giving that fight to Douglas Lima. I really was. Um, and, and Rory did what he had to do. Don't get me wrong. Rory did what he had to do. Um, he's just not that killer anymore. You know what I'm saying? He's not that killer that was feared at one time. Um, I, I think the fight was way closer than what the judges scorecard. You had a 49-46? Yes, I did. Yeah, I think I had a 48-47 for Douglas. But um, I, gave, I gave Rory that round where uh, he had – he failed on the takedown and got put in mount because I thought he did more with his like one minute on top than Douglas Lima did with his time on top. So that's how I ended up scoring that one. Yeah. It's uh you know, listen, he's a champ. He finally gets some gold around his waist. Good for him. Um, but I, I, I would like to see a rematch to be honest with you. I'm not gonna lie to you. I want to see a rematch. Uh, I definitely wouldn't want to see a rematch, but here's my thing. It wasn't as exciting I- as it could have been that I under that I'll, I'll agree with you, but I'd like to see a rematch. But, I mean, here's the thing. Do I want to see Roy McDonald fight anybody at this point? Not really. Not really. Like, I – you know, the he finished he finished uh, Paul Daly. But, I mean, God, like the, the Lawler fight's the last one I really stood up and was out of my seat for and all that stuff. Like, Roy McDonald's going to run this division, I think. He really and, is. He's Bellator, got, yeah, yeah. Yeah, in Bellator, he's, he's going to run this division. I will say this. Douglas Lima made Rory McDonald look like a welterweight, and that doesn't happen very often. Like, Rory McDonald usually looks like a middleweight fighting welterweights. Douglas Lima's a big man. Dude, and he's a great dude, dude. Both his, him and his brother are fantastic. I've told you the stories before. I've told anyone that yeah. watches the podcast on Tuesdays. They're both great guys. They're, they're trying to get their father, actually, to move to Toronto, which would be amazing. Um, oh, wow. But they're big. They're big big dudes and they're teddy bears man they're just nice super nice guys that just so happen to be ass kicking machines so i just i mean you could tell how dejected douglas was when that decision was announced um it sucks but you know a lot of people thought he you know he was gonna get his ass handed to him he was gonna get destroyed and i told people on tuesday no no i'm looking for douglas to win this so so i mean this is roy mcdonald's first back-to-back win since 2014 
And yes. Bellator yep. signed him a year and a half ago. You got to think that they saw this happening much sooner than it actually did. Yeah, whatever that delay was, I don't know what it was. I mean, did he have surgery at one point? Because that was just weird. But this guy, this guy's body gets goes through hell. But, but like a shattered nose. Look at his shin in this I fight mean, here. He's fought since he was twelve. Yeah, true. Good point. <laughs> he was in sixth grade taking pro fights or something. Like mother of God, this guy. Uh, and not only that, I mean, when you go against Robbie Lawler and you have your face crushed like that, then you go five rounds with Steven Thompson. And and not only that, Joe, but I mean, three rounds with Tarek Safadine, three rounds Woodley, Maya, Lawler, Ellenberger, Penn. Like, that's back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back. Non-stop going all that. That's putting cage miles on you. Whew, that's rough, man. Uh, Roy McDonald, welterweight champion. Uh, who could be next for him? Can't see Lorenz Larkin. Um, if he beats Gonzalez this Gonzalez, week, yeah, that's I mean, headlining a show. Go figure. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, is there? Is there? It's it's sad to say, but is there a UFC welterweight that's about to get cut real soon? That's probably going to go over there. Yikes. I mean, right? Like it's yikes. It's, the division is technically deep over at Bellator, but it's so tough to say. Well, it ain't going to be Paul ba- Paul Daly. No, it's Paul Daly is yeah. talking about fighting out his contract and moving to the UFC. Maybe Koreshkov, if Koreshkov can can put something together, uh, because that's one like where, from a from a body standpoint, I, I wonder how that would play out. And they're both the same age, or, or roughly the same age, but they're both big dudes. And Koreshkov beat Injikwani in August, but you know they they could do that. They could run Koreshkov. I mean, ideally, I would think MVP, but I think MVP would get ragdolled and put on his face and probably stopped in a round or two. What did Scott say? Scott Coker say about him that he needs to get, like, get back in there and start fighting again. Like what? Mm-hmm. What's going yeah. on here? Like, is he injured all the time? Like what's he doesn't want to fight. What's well, going on? I, I mean, thought it was Rick, Bellator not giving him fights. When Ricky Rainey is ranked number seven in your welterweight division, that says plenty. That says plenty back over on the UFC show though. Daniel Cormier. Molly whopped Volkan Ozdemir. And Joe, early on, he took a shot from Volkan Ozdemir, and he was like, not worried about him. He took <laughs> one, he took a shot from Volkan, and he was like, nope. And he was out striking Volkan Ozdemir. He was out working him in the clinch, out wrestled him, outworked him on the ground. Uh, Daniel Cormier looked like a 28-year-old man in that cage from, from uh, a performance standpoint. And he's going to be 39 in uh, two months, less than two months. I thought his post-fight speech was remarkable, but let's talk about what happened in the cage. This guy, this guy put on one hell of a performance, Joe. So it's it's so the one thing that that you know we looked at the way Vulcan Uzdemir got to this title shot. Oh, fan- sorry, sorry to interrupt you. I also want to mention Douglas Lima did have a lot of success with those leg kicks. He made Rory McDonald look like the elephant man's face was on his leg. Yes. Absolutely, he tweeted that, and I concur. Did I, retweet, I don't know if I, re- I retweeted that, but you're you're correct. You should it's have. Horrible. You should have. You know, and 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 Brian Kelly is, is saying two things on the chat right now. By the way, guys, girls, if you're if you're tuned in right now, top right of your screen on the YouTube page, live chat. Feel free to post your stuff on there. But Brian Kelly says, "How does Lena not get an immediate rematch?" And the guy who beat him is at the hospital right now. So it's weird how the guy that is the champion has the belt around his waist is in the hospital while Lima's probably with Douglas or with Diego right now. It's the old Tank and- Abbott. 
Yeah, and Jukau. They're probably having drinks at the arena or, or back at the hotel. Well, you know, it's 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 one of those things, man. What are you going to do? It's, it, it is what it is. Um, but back to Daniel Cormier. Cormier, or sorry, Uzdemir, the way he got to this title fight, he fantastic performances, um, you know, he made his debut, he went three rounds, uh, and then the successive first-round knockouts, fantastic finishes, um, but got to a, it's, it's, it's a division that we said before, it's kind of like, t- it's top-heavy, right? Won't take much for you to get there. Now, three wins is pretty damn good, but he gets a title shot. So in one year, he's gone from a, nobody knows who he is, to fighting Daniel Cormier, the champion of the world. But there are levels to this game. There are levels at each stage of this. And I remember telling my old producer, uh, Bobby T, things in China right now. He might be watching this, actually, uh, working in China. But um, there's levels. You go to a UFC event, uh, especially back in the day, there are levels. Every single fight gets better technically because as you go up the card, there are levels of technique that are shown. Daniel Cormier, uh, although in, the, in his late 30s, like you said, looks like he was in his mid-20s, there are levels to mixed martial arts. Uh, we'll even talk about this in the main event, okay, in the main event of this UFC card. But Daniel Cormier, Cormier showcased what it's like to be a world-class mixed martial artist, well-rounded, showing adversity, taking punches, knowing what to do in certain situations because he's been there, done that. And, and, and Vulcan Uzdemir now has to go back to the gym and simply just not just go and work on the things that he needs to work on. Um, not that he looked terrible on the ground. He just didn't have an answer. I thought right. early he looked like he he belonged, but yeah, stuffing the takedowns was fantastic. That separation, that separation started happening, and whoo, boy, did did uh, Daniel Cormier look good? As we mentioned, like when he gets somebody turtled up, it's it's just it's beautiful. And Ozdemir got saved by the bell. Daniel Cormier is really good there in the turtle position. He doesn't usually choke people out because usually he's content to throw the uppercuts and put their put his weight on their hips. That way, in case they try to do anything, they'll go flat. And then he can just impose his will there. But he had that rear naked choke ready, and Ozdemir was gonna gonna give in. But man, uh, Daniel Cormier, like good God, it's and you see how much John Jones is still in his head a little bit. And he said after the the fight, he felt like he was competing for a vacant world championship again because John Jones beat him, and he feels like he won it. He's also said he, he's very he plays the hokey pokey with this, but he says that maybe this year is his last year, and perhaps understandably so because he's got a great career as a broadcaster ahead of him and as a podcaster. I mean he's he's great behind the mic, he's great on the camera, he's very entertaining there. For the love of God, like he's already he's getting heat in pro wrestling. He can go wrestle the young bucks if he wants. They, they're <laughs> like, he's got that option. He's got so many different options. But as we'll talk about at the end of the night, I think there's one big big option for him but Volkan Ozdemir you know he ain't done he is not done but Cormier was just another level and the fact that he's able to do this at that age so close to 39 at light heavyweight now you you showed us the stats Joe about the average age of the rankings and all that stuff it ain't nowhere near 39 no not at all no he looked absolutely fantastic special talent special oh yeah Gifted. Listen, man. It's the same thing that was that was discussed when Ronda Rousey first came on the scene, and people were talking about her and Misha Tate, and um, and how, why Ronda Rousey was so great. And when that first Misha Tate fight happened, how many people were saying Ronda doesn't have the caliber? Um, you know, Misha Tate's a fantastic wrestler. It's like, whoa, you know that this is an Olympic athlete, right? Versus a 
I don't know what Misha had, collegiate wrestling, whatever she had. There's a big difference there. Daniel Cormier is an Olympian. Okay, this guy, although he's, you know, it's unfortunate we couldn't see him um, in his, you know, mid or late 20s or early 30s, perhaps uh, doing what he's doing right now, because he would have been just an absolute monster. But he is a talent because he is an absolute fantastic athlete. Okay, and it's it's transitioned well. Now, it doesn't help. I know you like talking crap about Cain Velasquez, but it doesn't help that, you know, like, I mean, you take a look at who this guy trains with. Um, I don't think I don't think Rockhold's there anymore. training with him these days? Yeah, so, yeah, it's true, but... The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard-to-recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I mean, just over the years, honing your, you know, sharpening your your iron, sharpening your knife, um, just sharpening that sword with the best of the best and just back and forth. That's who your training partner is. The guy's just an amazing, amazing talent. I want to ask you though, what did you actually think? When the crowd, the Beantown crowd, Boston's faithful, started cheering, what was it? Let's go DC. And I was like, what am I hearing? This is a guy that gets booed everywhere he goes, but they're cheering him on, obviously because he's fighting Vulcan. But what did you yeah. what did you think about that? It was good because he man, the guy struggled for so long to gain the acceptance of, of fans. And like he was almost confused by it. As and to be honest, as a guy who's so hip to pro wrestling like him, I was surprised that he was surprised by it. He smiled. He actually smiled when it was going on. Yeah, the thing is, like, he seemed to be confused that so many people still were into John Jones. But the unfortunate reality is, even if you have a reason to gripe, people don't want to hear you gripe. That's just it. People don't want to hear you gripe, even if you have a legit reason to do it. And Daniel Cormier took his opportunities to gripe, and the and I don't think a lot of fans took well to it. Also. There were things that I would notice that kind of put me off to DC a little bit that have since subsided. But, you know, he'd be on UFC tonight and he'd be on there with much smaller guys like Kenny Florian and Dominic Cruz. And he would allude to like beating them up or pushing them around and stuff like that. And I'm like, okay, kind of seem a little bit like a bully. That has subsided just significantly. And the man's been through a ton personally, like before UFC, since UFC, during the Olympics, all that stuff. The man is, the man is seasoned. Am I right? He's he's very seasoned. So you're going to have those ups and downs. And tonight was a major up for that guy. And it, it felt special. And he is special. He is just, I mean, this guy was a, a heavyweight Grand Prix alternate and won. And won. And now he is just, he is the best UFC light heavyweight, I think, ever. Not named John Jones. I think he's better than Tito. I think he's better than Chuck Liddell. Uh, despite, you know, maybe not having defended the championships as many times as them. I think he's a more complete fighter than than them. He shows more. Like, he went in there and he outstruck 
a guy who has been flicking people on the ear and knocking them out. So that's can't say enough about him and his performance. Yeah, and it's just you know he's legit a good guy. He's funny, except he was mean to me in in Buffalo. So he he had that one asshole day, but he he was a good guy. Well, how was he mean to you? Well, he was cutting weight, right? He was cutting weight, so I don't blame him. He's one of the worst when he's cutting weight, though. Yeah, he had, oh, is he ever not the worst, not the worst. There's been he's one of them. Yeah, but he was uh, he was like he saw me and he's like, I haven't seen you in a while. How have I, Joe? I said, no, nah, no, things have been going differently. Blah, blah, blah. He's like, OK, what do you need? And I was like, whoa. All right. It was quick. And then we got the wrestling stuff. Uh, who was it? Mike Straw that got the wrestling stuff uh, from him. So Brandon Howard, Brandon, Howard. Brandon Howard. That's it, Brandon. Yeah. So uh, but yeah, no, he was, um, he was nice to Brandon Howard. Yeah, of course. <laughs> His face lit up like a Christmas tree when they were talking about WrestleMania gates. Of course, jerk. Whatever, it's all good. Oh, fantastic. Awesome. Back yeah. over on Bellator, boy, were they killing time. Oh, yeah. And they just unloaded a big fat <laughs> all over their main <laughs> event. Uh, their last two fights were not that hot. Rampage Jackson, more like Hampage Jackson, was defeated pretty soundly by Chael Sonnen, who, again, outstruck Rampage Jackson. He was much lighter on his feet, like... It just he would out wrestle Rampage Jackson. It wasn't really wasn't until round three where we saw Rampage use his size a little bit. Although we did see like a little low impact slam out of Rampage in the first round, which I could appreciate and like because I mean that got me into MMA. Rampage Jackson doing that to people got me into MMA. There isn't a lot to break down about this. Chael Sonnen was a better wrestler and a better striker. He was faster. He was lighter on his feet. He was better with angles. He was better getting in and out. And then he was just a better wrestler, and he defeated Rampage Jackson. Rampage Jackson, for years, before I got into MMA media, my favorite fighter. Loved watching him. Won a ton of money off of him beating Chuck Liddell in the UFC. A ton of money. Um, I loved the booking of Rampage. I loved how they brought him in, and they had him fight a guy that he had fought, that had beat him before, Marvin Eastman. thought that was brilliant. I loved that they were doing that. It's, you know, maybe this is one of the first guys that that I really enjoyed that I'm watching just have this dissension, this dissension. But I'm sitting here wondering, why do you fall over yourself to sign a Rampage Jackson and put him against King Mo, Satoshi Ishii, and Chael Sonnen? Doesn't make any sense, but Chael Sonnen now fights Frank Mir or Fedor Emelianenko. Uh, Frank Mir on whatever diet Rampage Jackson is on, by the way. Mm. Yeah, interesting. Um, Chael really wants that. Chael would love that Fedor fight. Let's be honest. He he wants no business with Frank Mir because, it, first of all, Chael's son and Frank Mir. Do you think that would that would give anybody any ratings? Maybe, maybe a little bit. I think it'd do okay. Chael's son and Fedor that trash it, it that Chael, is, cop, right? is is cops the lead in still? Yeah. <laughs> Can't believe that. <laughs> or are they um, doing bar rescue? Oh my goodness! You you sent me over to the Spike account, the Spike Twitter account. I was look, I was reading some of it. I'm like, what is happening here? Great marketing ploy by them. It was yeah. smart. It was good. Yeah. It got people talking. Yeah. So I mean, this heavyweight they flew all these guys into California. Why? Yeah. Why? Weird. You're trying to make a profitable company, and you're flying. You're flying Ryan Bader into California to talk. Bader. Okay, oops. You're, you're paying Fedor to show up in a jacket. Come on, guys. Come on. You all bought this from Bjorn Rebney. 
Even Bjorn wouldn't do that. By the way, James Lynch is currently on assignment in Mexico to find Bjorn Rebney. That's why he couldn't be here tonight. Hopefully he can find Bjorn Rebney. That was Bellator. Underwhelming uh, in-ring performances, I thought, in the main and co-main. And again, I got to ask you, Joe, before we move on to this UFC main event. Why is Fernando Gonzalez versus Lorenz Larkin headlining a show when Chandler Yamuchi, Lima McDonald, and Rampage Sonnen are on this show? I get it. They wanted to stack the deck against UFC, but... but my, and they were... Bellator made a real effort to not have their main fights happening while UFC fights were going on tonight, the, the main ones. Uh, they they did a real good job of it, too, so hats off to them, but questionable. It's, I mean, I talked about it on Tuesday, right? Like, there there was no doubt that they, they booked this card, they booked the show, everything was good to go. They, they weren't anticipating UFC 220 to be like this, right? <laughs> it, it was just like, oh, no, you're, you're putting Francis Ngannou versus Stipe Miocic, the, ba- the two baddest men on the planet, in your main event. And, you know, it, it, the real main event was uh, the title fight at Bellator. As, as bad as it turned yes. out, it wasn't as exciting. That was the real main event. No ifs, ands, or buts. It was just, I mean, Sonnen and the only reason why Sonnen and Rampage got main event status is because they've got bigger names in those two. And I get it. That's fine. I understand that. But the real main event was that welterweight title fight. So um, I don't know if Bellator dropped the ball tonight. I don't. It's, it's hard to say. But it was, you know, like, like you said, and, and I was I was reading your stuff because at that time, uh, right before the Chael and, and, and um, a Rampage fight started, I had to bring my son upstairs. He was sleeping on the couch, and I'm like, I got to watch this heavyweight fight without you messing yeah. around. You got to go to sleep. So I, I was bringing him upstairs, and I was reading your tweets, and I was coming down the stairs. I'm like, what's, what's going on here? Right? I hear national anthems. I go make another coffee. Oh. I come back out. I'm like, what's going on here, man? Man, so, national anthems before fights are so lame. Uh, I'm more upset at Bellator for not giving me Kendall Grove to interview before his fight next weekend because i interview him every time i can because that man does not give a shit about anything uh upcoming main events for bellator outside of that mitrione nelson that's okay it's got uh, a pitbull brother uh heather hardy and liam mcgeary on the prelims then you got darion caldwell against leandro higo which they booked as soon as michael mcdonald was getting surgery and then in april fedor mir fedor mir is a legit main event but I'll tell you what a legit main event is. Francis Ngannou, Stipe Miocic. They may fight on land, but Stipe Miocic dragged Francis Ngannou into deep waters, held his head down, gave him lungs full of chlorine, and just drowned the man. I was not surprised at all. Um, normally, I was waiting for the fans to really go off and start booing the performance. The fans were cheering. The fans at the end were, were you know, I'm, I'm talking about the fans in the arena, obviously. They were, you know, clapping their hands and yelling and screaming, basically realizing the performance that Stevie Miocic put on against the guy that that the UFC, um, from John Anik to Joe Rogan to everybody, to the mass, mass PR marketing machine, was projecting as the new champion. Okay, they were they were basically saying that this is the guy. He's the most dangerous man. Blah 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 blah. blah better than Tyson and more scarier. And this uh, is well. The, by the way, Stipe Miocic is your champion. Just in case you guys are wondering, he is your champion. Uh, he's a better boxer. He's a better technical fighter. He's got wrestling and that one technique from the from the double leg to the single tap or to the uh, knee tap was just stupid, ridiculous. 
And the fact that he was using that technique to drown, like you said, drown Nganu, um, and and have him force that weight. And everyone watching right now, those that tuned in on Tuesday, you could hear Sean and I talking about the importance of making this guy carry the weight. Make him carry the weight. Super, super important. And lo and behold, that's what Stipe Miocic did this evening. He forced Ngano. He weathered that storm. And Jesus was that freaking scary. That first, it was the, the final 30 seconds of that first round when they both had those, the, the connections. I was like, oh my God. Yeah. Like the human skull should not be able to take those types of punches, let alone these dudes are standing up, still fighting. But Miocic did what he had to do. Uh, I thought it was a fantastic performance. Not the most exciting performance, obviously. You want to see knockouts. You want to see submissions. But you're not Stevie Miocic inside that cage fighting Francis Ngannou. You do what you have to do, not just to win, but to stay alive. It took a couple minutes for Ngannou to get so tired that he looked like a guy who got beaten it in tough and got like a short notice replacement fight. He started to lift up his back feet. He started to swing. Uh, he abandoned all technical prowess during during this situation, and that's that's unfortunate because you could really see it three minutes in that Miocic was going to run away with it. But still, there was always that opportunity for Nganu, and occasionally he would land, and it would motivate Miocic to take him down. So that's something that an Nganu has to work on is his cardio because we saw – he can't he can't win like he can't win a five round fight. I don't know how I would be shocked if he ever won a five round fight. Did you hear what he said fight. in his post fight interview? What's that? I underestimated him. Francis Ngano said he underestimated Stipe Miocic. And I believe it. The way that he he acted this week, like he's a different dude, man. Like he met a fellow Cameroonian, I guess it is, and Joel Embiid, a big NBA star now. Yep. And like his first reaction was to say, I think I want to fight this guy. <laughs> and like, I get it. You're a horrifying, terrifying dude. Like, yeah, this is a friggin' PR thing. Come on. Yeah. What are you doing? He's, he's a different dude, but he's got to get lands. He's got to get cultured still here. Yeah. Who one of those. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure he's had to fight his way up in, in a lot of, I mean, his dad was like a legendary street fighter, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that, I mean, when Kamaru Usman introduced me to him at that one Titan show, and there's that there, there's that crazy ass picture on my Instagram uh, at Showdown Joe. If you guys haven't seen it, just scroll down. It was about a year or two ago. But there's me, there's Kamaru, and then there's Francis. Yeah, like, I saw it, that. It it's just night and day. And you know, we talked, and you know, Francis was adjusting my uh, my pocket square, making sure my ties were looking good. It's a really really nice guy. Barely spoke English back then. But as time went on, he even talked about, I think uh, it was Dominic Cruz or Joe Rogan that said he doesn't know how to deal with this popularity right now. And he was homeless. He was homeless at one time. Nobody would give him the time of day. Now, no, no, now everybody won't just, they won't leave him alone. Like he doesn't know what to do right now. So he's got, he's just, you know, and again, it was one of those things where he's just, you know, almost felt like he shut up to where he is right now. So in time, um, I think it was you that tweeted out as well, you know, lo- already looking forward to this rematch. This 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 rematch somehow yeah. can't take place. Don't be surprised if it's the if if it's the headliner for the UFC's twenty fifth anniversary show. Uh the yeah, there's well, I got an idea for that, but I mean Ngannou's got the performance institute at his disposal. They're gonna work on his cardio. You better believe they're gonna work on his cardio because the blueprint is drawn up. Try to avoid him as much as you can. Work on the leg tire him out 
And I mean, there there aren't like a wealth of great wrestlers at, at heavyweight. And the thing is, Curtis Blades is one of them, and he's already been beaten by Nganu. So there there is that bit of concern. There's Cain Velazquez. We'll talk about him in a bit. Other than that, there aren't a lot of strong, strong wrestlers in that heavyweight division. And that's got to be a horrifying thing. But I mean, like, am I going to be upset to watch Nganu face a, a Mark Hunt next or somebody like that? Hell no, because that's really the kind of fight to make is like him against Mark Hunt, get him back in the win column or have Mark Hunt. I don't know if you want Mark Hunt beating Francis Ngannou if you're the UFC, but Miocic dragged him into deep waters, beat him down in every aspect. But I mean, they they both did get sloppy here and there. But man, Ngannou, by the middle of the first round, was feeling it because he went full speed ahead. And maybe that was his way to win, because I don't know if pacing himself was going to help him at all, because what, he would have t- tired out in four minutes instead of two minutes? Like, I wonder. Now, <laughs> oh, Daniel Cormier after this, and I and here's here's what drives me away from it. Daniel Cormier said, Cain Velasquez will fight for the UFC heavyweight title. No, nah, man, it should be you. It should be you, Daniel. You should fight for the UFC heavyweight title against Stipe Miocic. Why? Because you deserve it. Why? Because... You know, you you stay active because you can't trust Cain Velazquez to make it to a fight. And I got somebody on Twitter right now saying, oh, it doesn't matter if he's got one win in four years. Look at GSP and Dominic Cruz come after long layoffs and look good. Yeah, they didn't lose their championships either. So you could at least somewhat make a reasoning of that. Like, I mean, GSP competed for a title he didn't, didn't ever have, but he never lost his championship. Kane has won one fight since November 2013, and that's against Travis Brown. You want to look at Travis Brown's Wikipedia page of late, you're going to see a lot of red spots on it. It ain't pretty. It ain't pretty, and I'm not taking that away from Kane Velasquez. I'm just saying he needs to show up and fight somebody. Daniel Cormier shows up and fights somebody, and the thing is, I don't think Stipe is so big, like physically, that Daniel Cormier would maybe, like – think about not taking that fight. I think he would think about not taking it because his buddy wants it. That's that's how I feel. Yeah, that's that's no ifs, ands, or buts. Yeah. You're, I mean, there's, there's no other way of looking at it, right? Um, I, I think there was at one point where he did mention that the only way um, he, he fights for that heavyweight title if Cain Velasquez is gone. It was also Luke Rockhold that said the same thing. You know, I want to move up to 205 if DC moves up to heavyweight, if Cain Velasquez can't fight anymore. Right, so with Cain Velasquez apparently coming back, which is arguably the worst thing you could say on a podcast uh, when your co-host is Sean Rossap. It's but- just miserable. The man does not fight. <laughs> the man doesn't fight. <laughs> he has not fought since the week we launched this website. He hasn't fought once. He fought once that that week. That was it. UFC 200. He beat Travis Brown. Wow. Now you know really, what his yeah. last fight was before that. June 2015. The last fight before that, October 2013. I don't know how it makes sense to take year-long layoffs after every fight and then be thrown into this. And this is what ha- – this is the UFC used to constantly require interim champions because Brock kept getting hurt or Randy Couture uh, would be sitting out or – you know, Kane would get hurt or all this stuff would have Frank Mir got in a motorcycle accident and all this stuff. Like, I don't want that. Steve Miocic fights whenever he shows up or whenever they, they come to terms and they ask him to. I mean, last year was the only time he'd fought once 
in a year and in a while. I just don't get what it, man. Those new terms, though, what those new terms are for that contract are, though, right? Because he was out for a bit, and obviously he agreed to take out. But now you just took out the contender that you guys said was going to be the craziest, baddest, blah, blah, blah. I just took him out. Should Steve go right back again and say, nah, I want to renegotiate. Kane has one win. One win against current UFC fighters. Or actually two wins, but he's beaten one current UFC fighter. Junior Dos Santos. Ben Rothwell's out with USADA. Travis Brown probably ain't ever coming back. And I, I see a lot of people saying Brock, too. Brock ain't going to fight, man. Brock is not. He'll tease it, and I, I just don't think Brock's going to fight again. What was that comment that Dana made or something that you know he believes in 2018, John Jones, Brock Lesnar, the Diaz brothers, and George St. Pierre will all fight? Yeah, and so will I. <laughs> <laughs> I'll fight them all. I'll fight them all. If they're ready oh to fight in 2018, line them up for Sean Ross Sapp. I'll fight them all. But only if all of them will fight me this year. There we go. Hot dog. Hot dog. Busy man. Cormier and Al Hassan got performance of the night. Fight of the night went to Qatar and Burgers. What do you think about uh, Miocic not getting one? Just goes back to what we were talking about moments ago. Moments ago about the whole contract situation. How can a guy like that I, – I, okay, fine. It wasn't the performance of a lifetime, right? I get it, but he should be – you know you know what? I, okay, considering what the actual award is or what the actual bonus is, I can understand why the UFC did that. But considering the fact that Steve Miocha's life was in danger in this fight, <laughs> like give him something. Yeah. Right? Uh, so if, you know, if this pipe dream of Cormier versus Miocic doesn't happen, and I think it should, I think it's a legit – pay-per-view attraction now it's not going to crack a million but they're both going to make money off of it if they do this more money than Miochik would make against Cain Velasquez I think but you look up and down the line he's beaten Ngannou he's beaten over him he's beaten for doom uh you know you can't can you put Mark Hunt in, in that type of situation I don't think so but if he beats Curtis Blades you know you can you can at least talk about it what what else is there you can't not Derek Lewis. Volkov isn't title level yet. So I mean that's where it stops. What what is next for Miochik if not Kane and not Cormier? Kane is the only thing that I only guy I can Ugh. think of. That or it's gonna have to be some sort of Verdum, maybe. Ugh. And Verdum's lot of wins are over Tibura and Walt Harris. So like yikes. Just defend the title three times and you've cleaned up the division. Yeah. Right? Well, I mean, it doesn't it doesn't hurt when you got a, a Francis Ngannou knocking people dead throughout all the way through as well, and and now you got to ask, what about Cormier? Gustafson's hurt. Shogun had knee surgery a few months ago. I don't know if it was a meniscus, an MCL, uh, an ACL. I don't know what it is. Gustafson won't fight until like the summer. I'm pretty sure. Glover Teixeira can't piece together two straight wins. Yeah, you you can't do you can do OSP. He's got three in a row. Ugh. Ew. Yeah, it's it's slim pickings, man. Man, gross, dude. Gross. <laughs> what are you saying? All right, a division sucks. Yeah, it's man. A, it's a bummer, and it's not Manaway. He's coming off of a of off of a loss. Whew. 
Mar- Mauricio Shogun Hua better get some stem cells done. At least you can bank off of the old uh, Pride fans there. What is your lasting impression of this night? What is this? I mean, Stipe Miocic made history. He became the first man to successfully defend the UFC Heavyweight Championship three times in a row. Uh, in about a week, he will pass Randy Couture for third longest like uh, reign as far as days go. Provided he doesn't fight in the next three or four months or vacate the title, he will also uh, he will move into second place, I think, uh, beyond Brock Lesnar. The only person that had it more was Cain Velasquez, who fought like twice in two hundred or 890 days. But what is your lasting impression of this evening? We've got one new champion, two people retained, Chael Sonnen moving on, Michael Chandler solidifying his spot in the division, Aaron Pico with a, with a masterful body shot. You've got Dustin Ortiz kind of showing that he does belong in the top 10, top 15 of the flyweight division. You've got Rob Font with a big statement win. What do you look back on? You're asking me for one thing from the, the, yeah, what, what is, what would you, when you think of this night, what is the thing you'll think of the most? Stipe Miocic. Stipe Miocic. Just the baddest man on the planet. This is what we, this is what we watch for. This is what it's all about to determine the baddest man per division, to see who the champion of the world is, per division and when you talk about the big boys when you talk about the heavyweights it's widely regarded as size matters sorry guys the the, the baddest man on the planet right now is tp miocic i know it's a term that's being thrown around non-stop in, in the mixed martial arts bubble i get it but he is the baddest man on the planet and I believe it. he's just to do what he did the way he did it um you know he took what this this monster of a man in Francis Ngannou brought to the octagon tonight, he took it, absorbed it, and then instilled a, a cerebral game plan, systematically breaking down each item and each intangible that Francis Ngannou brought to the cage, chopped him down slowly but surely until it, until he was no more, until he was a shadow of, of his of himself, and didn't do it in a manner where it was disrespectful. It was classy. At the very end, he's like, "I don't care about any of this." I'm going to be a dad. You know, I'm a dad. I know what that feels like. So, and he puts his hands up in the air, crowd cheers, you know, he walks off. So, I mean, the guy's the man. He doesn't have a personality. It's just, but good for him. He's an every man. And I think that's a part of his appeal. That's part of his appeal. Guys, if you all enjoyed this show, we do the Holy Smokes MMA podcast every Tuesday, 3 p.m. Eastern at Fightful.com, FightfulPods.com. It's available on YouTube, iTunes, Stitcher, Player FM, Spotify. It's available everywhere, guys. Make sure you all subscribe on YouTube. Thumbs us up. Head over to Fightful.com and FightfulMMA.com. We had Carlos Toro at the Barclays Center covering uh, the Errol Spence fight tonight as well. So check that out. The Fightful Boxing Newsletter drops every Thursday. It is must-read for even casual boxing fans. And we have tons of MMA exclusives at Fightful.com. Lots of pro wrestling exclusives as well. Royal Rumble week next week. It's going to be a lot of fun. Raw 25 on Monday. Of course, guys, you can follow us at Fightful Online, cross-platform, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Joe, what do you got going on? Same old, same old, man. Holy Smokes podcast on Tuesday. Other than that, lots and lots of work, man. Just doing my thing. I'm with you. I am trying to remodel this old-ass house as best I can. So I need you all to come give me the clickety-clacks. I got to get, get my gold speedboat for this house. It's important for this house, guys.
But seriously, thank you all for the support. Uh, tons of viewers on this show. Thank you all. Again, FightfulMMA.com. Tons of exclusives over there every single day. My friends, until next time, we are out. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.